Booyah, and it's time for the Game Sports Show. It is your host, David McCaig Jr. This is the Game Sports Show podcast, episode four. And we are back with the Game Sports Show podcast upload. Sorry about the brief absence with these uploads for the Game Sports Show podcast. We are very excited to have you joining us here today. As mentioned, I'm David McCaig Jr. And I want to give a special thanks and shout out to the one only, the man, the myth, the legend, and the producer of this particular podcast, Mike Tassoni. If it wasn't for Mike, I wouldn't be able to sound the way I do, look the way I do, and this podcast just wouldn't be what it is without Mike. So I want to say thank you to Mike, to Sony, and also give a shout out to our sponsors for the Game Sports Show podcast, Flawless Roofing and the Sport Displays. Flawless Roofing, protect your investments, start from the top. As you see right behind me, a nice poster. I got the sweater over there. I got a hat even on the T-Gem Pandas Baseball Championship trophy. Over 30 years experience in the business, located in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, and Thunder. Bay. However, if you are from outside of those areas, you can certainly reach out to Flawless Roofing at flawlessroofing.ca and the sport displays. If you got that jersey, that t-shirt, the memorable item that you want to display in your office, in your man cave, in your garage, in your living room, your basement, wherever, look no further than the jersey mount from the sport displays. Makes the jersey just look so crisp and just looks so unbelievably nice on your wall okay it's simple to install you can screw it you can use a double-sided tape sticks to the wall you can easily remove the jersey to put a shirt remove the shirt to put the jersey check them out at the sport displays.com if you have any more questions reach out to the game sports show ssm at gmail.com we can provide you those links if necessary or comment below and we will connect with you through social media platforms going to get through the usual housekeeping intro agenda here and going firstly to the agenda before i get into some other housekeeping items i want to say today's show as i mentioned is brought to you by the sport displays and flawless roofing it is powered by tgem the game entertainment and media and to address some tgem rumors that have been texted to me over the past few weeks there will be a name change to tgem but more details will come with that as as we proceed, it won't be until a bit later in the future, but it will be the same platform, which you can check out on YouTube. Make sure you hit like, follow, subscribe, and all videos on there. But it's a podcast community. And if you are currently recording a podcast, why not reach out to yours truly or to those on TGEM to have your podcast aired? And that's the game entertainment and media gmail.com or just comment below and we will direct you in that direction to have your podcast aired on T-Gem. Now, you know who the sponsor, you know who the Powered By is. Let's get to the agenda of today's show, the Game Sports Show Podcast, Episode 4. We're going to have Hockey Invade the first segment here after my introduction. Then we're going to have Brad Jacobs come on the show for this podcast. Great segment we're going to have with Brad. And then we're going to have segment three. We're going to get some final thoughts that has became a tradition here on this particular show. And with that, we're going to talk about the Masters briefly. Yes, Dave McKegg's going to be talking about golf. And we're also going to be talking about football, but not necessarily full football. It's about players and loyalty to the game. So there's going to be about a good chunk of content to definitely observe. And we appreciate you joining us with that here today. Make sure you listen to previous editions of the Game Sports Show. Uh, you can check out the Game Sports Show on all platforms, audio, and of course the TGM Network, a recent upload with John Morasti. That was a 
such a fantastic upload. Uh, he shared some stories. There. He's one of the three gyms on Shorzy, and we also have other podcasts you can check out, including a recent Top Shelf and full-time edition as well. Got to give love to the others who are part of our community in the Game Sports Show and, of course, T-Gym. Now, one thing I want to make sure that I, uh, I address is the GameSportShow.com. I wanted to make sure that I brought that up right away. We no longer have an active website. Uh, the GameSportShow.com has been stopped as we are going to be converting the website into a new direction. Once things get ironed out, there is going to be a full company website that the Game Sports Show is going to be a part of, and it's going to be within on that. So there will be a website in the near future, not the immediate future, but the GameSportShow.com is no longer, but you can still listen to all platforms, get details uh, from all other audio platforms or visual platforms you're hearing us on or seeing us on, or simply just reach out and we can provide some detail there for you now look we're already 450 into this recording and there's all the housekeeping items out of the way all right if you have any more questions comment below and we will assist you but the game sports show podcast episode four wants to dive into its content and yours in particular does a lot to get to today so let's do that firstly i said i would talk about hockey look the NHL, the trade deadline was fantastic. Obviously, everything leading up to the NHL trade deadline was more active than the actual trade deadline day, okay? And the entertainment with the trade deadline wasn't a failure, the trade deadline. Maybe for those who had to work trade deadline day that were airing it on the television or live podcast recordings, but the trades leading up, there was a lot of trades, right? Ryan O'Reilly, the Patrick Canes, and... You know, the, the moves that went on really helped each team. And my favorite trade, truthfully, people ask what my favorite trade was. is, And I'm not going to be biased because everyone knows I'm a Leaf fan outside of talking sports. My favorite trade was actually the Jake Chikrin trade. Jake uh, Jacob Chikrin going over to the Ottawa Senators, I just think that's a perfect fit. As much as I feel like he would have been a good fit with the Edmonton Oilers or even the Toronto Maple Leafs, I feel that going to the Ottawa Senators, they are going through a lot of change, right? There's rumors about Ryan Reynolds buying it. I don't want to dive into the sale of the Ottawa senators as that could change just while I'm recording here with you today. So the the Jacob Chicken train is my favorite because him getting out of Arizona. Sorry, I, I not to really shoot down Arizona. Obviously, their fan base interaction is not great. They do play at a smaller arena. It's, and when you watch that on TV, it feels like that you are watching a college game. It, it's just I feel like Arizona should be an organization moved out of the National Hockey League. And I feel like the 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 huger the huge sorry demographic of hockey fans will agree with me on that, but we're not getting into that topic. It's just I feel Jacob Chikrin's going to have a new start here in Ottawa. He's really going to be relied upon. You have Jake Sanderson there. You have Thomas Shabbat there. You know you have you have uh, Brandstrom there. They have a good four right there, right? Like you know you. I, I think Chikrin would fit better with Jake Sanderson as Sanderson develops, but then you have Brandstrom with Shabbat. It, it's they got Zub there. It, it's you got a good defensive team there in Ottawa that could that will improve as the, as the veteran experience gains, and the leader of that is of course Shabbat. Then up front they have some great things coming up there. Norris going down this year was big for them, but Brady Kachuk is really pulling away as the captain has really shown a lot of leadership ability. Claude Giroux being there, your Batherson, the Ottawa centers are looking good and they're going to be a very good team. Uh, very, they have slipped out of the race a little bit. Will they make it? I hope they do. I would love to see them in a wild card. I think they would give the Bruins a run for their money, uh, but they are coming. 
the Ottawa Senators. If they don't make it this year, they'll for sure be there next year. And Ryan Reynolds buying the team, wouldn't that be amazing if he does? They move to a new arena. It's a whole new start for that team. And it's a passionate fan base. Of course, when you play Toronto or Montreal, there's a lot of invasion from Leafs and Hab fans and other Canadian teams when they play there. But the Ottawa Senators do have a good fan base. It gets really exciting, especially for the Battle of Ontario. And to have a rink that's maybe more centralized in Ottawa, we will attract more fans, especially if Ryan Reynolds buys it. And imagine if they have a Deadpool night. <laughs> Deadpool jerseys with a senator but in a Deadpool. I just I could just picture it now. I feel like that would be absolutely amazing. But the oh, that was my favorite trade of the deadline and that's all I'll really get into about the NHL in terms of the trade deadline side. But I do want to get into the standings, okay? Uh and the standings itself. And the what I'm gonna go with is not talk about who the current teams are in what place. I'm actually just gonna talk about the actual standings itself. And on a recent top shelf podcast uh, we talked about, it was one that I hosted, as everyone knows in the Game Sports Show, we do uh, rotational hosts for our news shows. So you can check out all news shows on all platforms. But on the recent one of Top Shelf that you can check out on the TGM Network YouTube channel and all audio platforms, I, I hosted that show. And we talked about, and we talked about the, uh, the, the NHL standings with the seeding for the playoffs. And right now Boston is... Bart is the best team in the NHL. What maybe might end up being the best team that we ever see if they end up breaking the record or how that goes with them. But the the standings in the NHL really show where the strong teams are in the strong divisions, right? The Atlantic between Boston, Tampa, Toronto, you know, Florida had a rough start. They're really starting to climb up. Climb up. Ottawa's kind of fell off, but they're growing up. But you got the Met- Metropolitan, you have Carolina, New Jersey, New York, Pittsburgh's underneath those three, which obviously the Crosby era, era he's getting a little bit older. Pittsburgh's getting a little bit older. They're starting to back up a little bit, but they're still an exciting team to watch. Uh, the, the the other side, you know, of course you have Vegas, you have Dallas, you have Winnipeg, you have Edmonton, Connor McDavid. Anytime the, the best player in the world is on the ice, it's exciting. And he's got Leon Dreisaitl with them. And the Edmonton Oilers are looking really hot. You know, they... The, there are good teams in the Western Conference, but they there is absolutely no match for the East, okay? How would these teams that are in the West do? Truthfully, I don't want to... I don't want to give any hate towards Winnipeg or towards Edmonton and Vegas. I don't mean to do that. But if some of these teams were in in the division that Toronto was in or even the Metropolitan, anything in the East, it is so stacked. I don't think they would be doing as good. And you can look at the standings. I actually have it up right here as I want to give you the the most appropriate numbers at this accurate time of recording. If you look at it, the from the, from the Eastern Conference in comparison to the West, you have the West – and you got to give love to Colorado too. I shouldn't forget forget Colorado defending Stanley Cup champions. But between the West, I the teams that really only scare me in the Western Conference is Colorado, Winnipeg, and Edmonton. Not LA. They they're a good team. They are scary to watch. I don't still. I think they're they are on a streak. They they're definitely notable. But Vegas doesn't really give me a lot of that big scare. To be honest with you. Same with the Minnesota Wild or the Dallas Stars. Like there's there's good teams there. But the teams that really stick out to me that I think would be successful in the playoffs. Colorado, obviously the defending champions. The Winnipeg Jets. They're built for playoff hockey. That they're built for playoff hockey. And the Edmonton Oilers best player in the world's on the ice that that that's all but if you look at the west you have teams that the most points at this current time of recording is between vegas and la which la has really really achieved a lot this year and they're going to continue to get better uh because of their youth coming up they're definitely managed really well there with blake and everyone at the helm but if you look at the east you got 
Boston, Toronto, uh, Carolina, New Jersey, who's ahead of that. The the Rangers and Tampa at this time of recording are uh, are are the teams that are tied for the best points overall in the Western Conference. So it goes without saying that the Eastern is better than the West. We know that. It is more stacked. But if anyone ever tells me that the Western Conference is better, just look at those numbers. Look at the statistics. Look at what is in front of you because you are completely wrong. I'm sorry. There are good teams. Uh, I've mentioned them. The Vegases, the LAs, the Edmontons, Colorado, Dallas is good. Winnipeg's good. There are good teams, okay, but they don't compare with the top six teams in the Eastern Conference. They don't. In a seven-game series, I really don't think any of these teams, to the exception of Colorado, Edmonton, and even Winnipeg. I'm giving love to Winnipeg because I think they're built for playoff hockey that would give teams a run for their money. Vegas, LA, no. If if I'm if I'm Boston, uh, Toronto, Tampa, New Jersey, New York, Carolina, I feel like I can I can handle those teams. But the teams that would really stick out, as I mentioned, the Colorados, the Edmontons, and the Winnipeg Jets, those are teams that really stick out to me. And the Eastern Conference is so much better. It's not even fucking close okay anyone who thinks that the west is better i i, I want to hear your take on it for real i really do want to hear your take and to why yeah you can point out the defending stanley cup champions you can point out connor mcdavid you can point out uh jake ottinger's and the, the team that dallas has or you can look at uh la kings how they're 90 points you know they're they've overachieved this year they're exciting to watch they got leadership i don't i'm not worried about a team in the west the eastern conference will win the stanley cup this year by far and i'll say that right now the only way that the west beats the east this year is the way the playoffs go okay the the playoff format that I'll say briefly before I go on the next point of, of, of hockey, and I'm already 13 minutes in trying to keep this as short as possible. We got a lot to get to. We had a lot of time off in between episodes. The only way the West beats the East is if the East is so battered and bruised getting there. For example, I'll give us someone's trail to the playoff finals, and I'll use Toronto as an example because it feels nice to say off the tongue if you're a Leaf fan. Toronto plays Tampa. They win. They likely play Boston in the second round. If they win... Both those series are going six or seven games. I don't care what anybody says. And, of course, it's Toronto. It's going to go seven games. So you got 12 to 14 games there, right? And then you look at the, the, the conference finals. You're getting New Jersey or you're getting New York. Let's just say or, – or Carolina. So let's say you get Carolina in the conference finals, and that goes six or seven games. Now you've played 20 or 21 games going into the cup finals. I don't think the teams in the West that have the attract to the final, like the number one seed, if they make it, let's say Colorado gets the number one seed, and they have a track all the way to the finals. Their more tougher series are going to be maybe the second and the third series. Toronto, for example, will have to literally go through a gauntlet of of teams to get there, and they're going to be exhausted. Now, they'll either take exhaustion or maybe it'll better prepare them. The only way the West wins is if the East is so fatigued from getting there, and the West isn't as fatigued, okay? The, if, you look, if you look at different examples, I'm going to use an OHL example here. People in Sault Ste. Marie are going to refer to this a lot. Recently, the Hounds did make the, the, the OHL finals um, just under a handful of years ago, and they played Hamilton. And the Hounds played a lot of games. 
if I remember correctly, I tried to pull up the staff for exact numbers. They had about six games more than what Hamilton had going into the finals. And the Hounds did push it to the brink, but Hamilton ended up winning. And you can tell by watching the Greyhounds that they were exhausted. Okay, now that's the OHL that's obviously underneath the ECHL. It's underneath the AHL. It's underneath the NHL. Obviously, it's major junior hockey. It's a lot different. NHL athletes are built different. But my example states sometimes that path can be so exhausting that you just don't know what team you're going to get by the time you get to the finals. Okay, a team like Boston may not affect it, but a skilled, Boston is very skilled, but they're playoff built. Toronto, I don't know if they're like, they can be successful in the playoffs. They have the talent, but are they truthfully a playoff built team? I think the depth that they brought in, can they last all these games in a row and can they stay healthy? Can any team in the East stay healthy after getting through that gauntlet? It's it's a mystery. So that's the only way that the West would win. But I am betting the East 99.9% sure that the East is going to win the Stanley Cup this year. Bar none. And it's going to be Boston. It could be Toronto. It could be Tampa. It, it could be Carolina. Whoever it's going to be. Obviously, everyone's going to flag Boston, right? And fair enough, they're... Look at their record. They're, it's a joke how good they're doing. And it upsets me, especially if you are a Toronto fan. But the Eastern Conference is way better than the West. And if someone tells me again they think the West is going to win or they think the West is better, and I've had a few messages, you are, your mind is lost. You're, you're completely wrong. The East is way better. Now, already 16 minutes in, so I get a little passionate there, of course, talking about there are a couple points I want to get into. And make sure you tune into the recent upload of Top Shelf for more dissection about this next topic I'm talking about. But the seeding in hockey. Gary Bettman has recently stated that there's going to be no changes in the seeding of hockey for the playoffs. Listen, I know when Toronto fans talk, they don't want to play Tampa or the Bostons all the time. Okay, and I'm sure if you were Washington, you didn't want to play Pittsburgh all the time. But they had to slay the Dragon to go win the Cup when Washington did. Either way, you've got to play these teams to get to the finals. doesn't matter. What I have recently proposed is why the NHL doesn't do a 1-16 to matchup, like basically an NCAA format. But the travel, the money, the time zones, things are so much different. It'd be so challenging. But I would love to see a team from the East, let's say Boston finishes first, and there's a team in the West who has the least amount of points of all 16 teams. Let's say it's Seattle, uh, the, that Boston plays Seattle in the first round, right? That, that would be cool. Then Toronto would play... Maybe they're playing the the maybe they're playing the Winnipeg Jets in the first round. I'm just shooting the based on the points. Like imagine the rivalries that could be created from cross conferences. I think that would be cool. It's not realistic, but that would be a unique scenario. People want to go back to the one and eight seed. That's what's really addressed a lot. Listen, if you're a Toronto fan, if you were doing the one to eight again, you're still playing Tampa in the first round. So that doesn't matter because the way that the seeding goes one to eight is the three division winners get the one, two, three seed. Then it goes down from there. I do like the one to eight. I think that was really cool. But the NHL has a direction of going in this rivalry format and developing rivalries. And they're not going to change that, it seems. But I do think they need to address the playoff format and change it. I don't like how Bettman has no intention to change it, but I bet you down the road there will be change as more teams come. There's been expansion talk about Houston or going back to Atlanta. If they go back to Atlanta, they are nuts. That is stupid. Third time's a charm, right? What's the analogy when you have when you keep doing things repeatedly? I'll let you answer that yourself. So the, the definition of insanity, right? That's what that would be. I think you need to look at Quebec City and Houston, but we're not going there yet. We're not getting into that topic today. That's for another day, perhaps down the road. The seeding in the playoffs needs to change. And I'm not just saying that as a Toronto fan. That's not the reason why. I'm saying that as 
that I think teams that have had better years should be rewarded. Okay, for who you play, and that always all, all, that always doesn't work out. Look at Tampa when they played Columbus in that in the, the new format; they got swept, and that has been has happened before, where the eighth team has beat the first seed. Look at Vancouver, LA back in the day. There's a lot of options, so it doesn't really matter. You got to beat the team anyways to get there. So there is that side, but I would like to see the change. The last point I'm going to get into is. General managers in hockey, okay, and if I have time, I'll get to my second point um, about James Reimer. Uh, the, the, my little take about it, it's very brief, but the, the main point I want to get into right now is GMs in hockey. Now, we have uh, had an announcement in New Jersey as of late. I'm just looking at the screen, make sure you get the name correctly. Kate Madigan is the first female assistant general manager um, and the Devils, the first one to be named uh, with the New Jersey Devils, of course. And the sixth in NHL history. And great to see that. And you have a lot of female involvement in the game. Haley Wickenheisers. Uh, you also have uh, email, uh, Emily Cosengway uh, as well, involved with the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, the first in history for Vancouver, of course. There's, there's been a lot of involvement uh, with females in the game, and I love to see it. The, what I'm going with this topic is, of course, we're gonna, there should be equal involvement. doesn't matter. Men, women involved in hockey. Uh, that's not what I'm getting into. I'm actually going to get into someone who I feel will be and someone that should be, and that's Jennifer Botterill. You know, there, there's somebody who's went to Harvard, someone who, when she's on the Hockey Night panel, is so on it. She's so professional. And you can check out a recent upload with Kelly Rudy for a special edition upload where we talked about the panel on Hockey Night, and he gave compliment to Jennifer Botterill. The, 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 the brain that Jennifer has is so terrific and would be such an asset to, the, to a front office of a team. And she was in the running for Vancouver's assistant uh, or, or management position. But she's great on the panel. She has accolades in hockey that are just amazing and she's educationally smart she knows the game well it's amazing she's so professional and when she talks she grasps the attention of the room right she 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 really states her knowledge of the game and i've never really had any disagreements with her uh, with anyone on the hockey night panel really i really do like the hockey night panel i think that's one of the better panels in the game and of course friend of the show tsn james duthie i love their panel uh, of course but we they're 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 the Jennifer Bottles I'm talking about here, I think that she is going to be involved uh, in the game in the NHL very soon. I think she is going to get a job, and she's very deserving of that. Um, I feel uh, that if Jennifer isn't a part of the game very soon, that would be a mistake to a team that needs that vacancy filled. Give her a call. And I love seeing the females involved uh, with the game in the NHL. There's a lot of great uh, talent out there that can join the game, especially from the female side, and it's great to see the involvement in that change. Uh, but I wanted to make this point about Jennifer Botterill. Hire her now. Now, the last point I want to get to about James Reimer briefly before we take a quick break and breather before Brad comes on the show is the James Reimer saga, okay? I'm not wearing the pride jersey in the warm-up. Obviously, it might be a little bit more of data content when you hear it, so I'm not going to get into it. I don't like talking about views or political views or religious views on the show. That That's not the point of the show. But I do get texts uh, from a lot of people that listen to the show that ask me, what are your thoughts about this? What are your thoughts about that? And that was one that came across, and I'm going to say it right now. I don't want to address it. I don't want to give views. People have their, their, their beliefs and their entitlements. That's up to them. We don't talk about that. Uh, here on the game sports show. So if you're looking for that content, you can go hear more detailed rationale from uh, Sportsnet, TSN, and yes, I'm mentioning other media outlets. But if you want more detailed rationale, that's where you can go for that. Uh, I, 
if you really want my answer with it, it's um, it's uh, definitely a different world that we're living in, and people are entitled to their own views. And I obviously uh, the the situation gets brought up uh, and it needs to be addressed, but we're not going to talk about it here on the show. So anyone who's expecting an answer for that, uh, the only thing I can say is that people are entitled to uh, their views. Um, but to have the equal involvement in hockey, the equal involvement in hockey is very important. So I'm going to take a quick breather after 23 minutes when I thought this would be a 10-minute segment. I went to 23. Lots of points to get into here that we chatted about. I'm happy to be back to you here with the Game Sports Show podcast after a few weeks hiatus. Again, the Game Sports Show podcast sponsored by the Sport Displays Flawless Roofing, powered by the Game Entertainment and Media. It's your host, David McKeague Jr. I am going to take a quick sip of my coffee that's in my one, one of my favorite shows, The Mandalorian, Gragu, Great Cup, and take a breath, take a second to get some air in my system, and we're going to welcome Brad Jacobs here on the show. So don't, don't go anywhere. You don't want to miss that. He is back in curling, and we're going to talk about it. And without further ado, let's bring in the man, the myth, the legend himself, Olympic gold medalist and good friend of yours truly and the game sports show, well-known in the community of Sault Ste. Marie and the world of curling, obviously. The one and only Brad Jacobs. Brad, welcome back to the Game Sports Show podcast, man. It's great to have you on. Yeah, thank you. It's uh, always a pleasure, Dave. Yeah, it's always fun. You and I know each other pretty well outside of, the, let's just say, the media side of things. You're not just on here as a guest. You know the show quite well, dating back to 2017, I think was your first appearance. And, you know, the story I want—I like telling everybody, and I kind of use it as a little bit of a brag, but uh, I, I have put on your gold medal. Uh, you know, I have put that on in your house, uh, in the lion's den, I believe is what that room was called. If I remember correctly in that house that you had there. Um, and I remember myself, my fiance put that and put that on and took pictures and show people. And uh, I know the jealousy meter went up in, uh, in a lot of people's books, I feel like, but you know, we'll get, we're going to get into a lot in this segment. There is a lot to get to. You had some big news just recently come out. You know, we have to talk about your mixed double nationals, obviously maybe a little, to chat about the recent Briar results and who was involved in that, of course. But I do like telling the story to make things light off the hop that uh, I have put on that medal. And it is a very good quality. Okay, a lot of people that maybe not know, Brad, the medal that you had, it's not like it's... And I don't mean to chirp uh, anything that when you were younger in hockey, getting these participation medals. But, you know, those were, they're not the same as getting Olympic gold medals. You know, go through, I, 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 maybe some uh, of our listeners that don't know the full background of that and just how it feels like to win a gold medal and just what that gold medal feels like. Maybe you can share that with our listeners quickly because obviously you got that experience. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, you did try on the gold medal at the, at the old house we had there. I think you were going to try that on regardless of whether I let you or not. You were going straight <laughs> beeline straight for that thing. And, uh, but no, you're right. We've had some good memories in the past and, uh, and good buddies here in the Sioux. And can't wait to maybe hit the golf course with you again this summer, even though you're terrible, by the oh, way. But, that's a good uh, reminder. We got to talk about that too. We can we'll talk about that. <laughs> Yeah, uh, cool. So yeah, no, winning the gold a number of years ago now dates back to 2014, I guess about uh, nine years ago as of this past February. Lots of really great memories pop up on social media for all of us around that time, uh, sometime in February, end of February. The best way that we can describe it, I think all of us as a team at the time, you know, Ryan, EJ, uh, Fry, myself, even Caleb, our coaches, Tom and everyone was total relief. You know, there's a lot of pressure 
uh, especially, you know, curling's evolved and changed a lot in the last eight or nine years as well. Since then, different rule changes in the game and, and whatnot. And then a lot of other countries are getting really, really good. Canada is no longer the favorite necessarily going into these international events because uh, all the other teams are getting so much better. But back then, we were certainly uh, one of the favorites, certainly a favorite to medal and uh, probably the favorite to win gold. And that was our first experience, anything like that, uh, you know, to that magnitude. So it was, uh, it was, we worked ourselves in the beginning. It was pretty nerve wracking. We started off the Olympics one and two, if people will remember. Um, we weren't, we, like I said, we weren't ourselves. We've kind of felt like a deer in the headlights out there. We had some really good meetings with our coaches. We had Mike Babcock give us a nice little pep talk. And uh, the rest was history. I think we went, we won the next seven games. Uh, we went on to win Olympic gold and it was just total relief. It was like, thank God this thing is over and we've won. And now we can breathe a little easier and, and celebrate. Definitely. And I know you and myself talked about it on recordings of the Game Sports Show podcast in 2017, I think 2018. You know, there's previous recordings you can check in our archives <laughs> that we dove into that a little bit more. But yeah. I think a good thing that you mentioned is obviously the game has evolved, right? And I don't mean this to say to either just because I'm a good friend of yours, uh, but I think your team obviously had a big part of that. You, you know, when you went to that Olympic gold, I know the attention was on Team Jacobs, right? It was the celebratory after all the big shots and it was getting it, all that enthusiasm. You brought a great energy to the sport that was a little bit of a different feel than maybe what people were used of and maybe uh, that's just me on the outside looking in because to be honest I wasn't big into curling until you and the and the boys got as far as you did and won and all the things you've done in the last few years you know until you guys obviously moved on to different chapters in your life so I think it's fair to say you won't probably agree to it but you are a big part yourself and your team were a big part of the change in the world of curling and you brought an energy to the game that I know some people had feedback about. Let's just be real. Some people didn't agree with the energy, but I say screw that because I, I love the energy. That shows how much you care. And if people know by watching you, Brad, on your shots, there is not a more serious face in anything that I have ever seen in my life. Okay? Like when you're in the zone, you are in the zone. That you boys cared, and that's why your energy was what it was. And and the Sioux were like that. We're we're very loud people. <laughs> Yeah, you bet. And just to kind of elaborate more on that, um, you know, there's been a lot of teams over the years in men's and women's curling that have helped bring the game, yeah. uh, move the game forward and raise the level of play and raise the bar. And I think that our team at that time was one of those teams and teams have raised the bar even more uh, since. But yeah, we did bring kind of a unique energy and uh, swagger, I would say at the time. We, we really had a killer instinct. We wanted to win. Uh, our standards were, were very high that, that we put on ourselves, and um, we were probably a, a polarizing team back then. I know EJ mentioned that the other day at the curling club after I was talking to those guys uh, when they returned home from the, the briar. And, uh, yeah, we were, we were a different team back then for sure, and uh, it worked out well for us, though. And, sh and certainly we had people that loved us and hated us and, and also people somewhere in between. But uh, if you're going to play a sport uh, at any high level – know that you're probably going to have people that love you and, and dislike you as well. And that's kind of when you know you've made it, and that's okay. Yeah, definitely. And like Brad said, I beeline to that gold medal, and it's very good quality, okay? <laughs> 
Now, you did mention, before we get into the key topics we're going to get into it about Curly, you mentioned golf for a second. I don't, I, and I want to share that now instead of the end, because if I keep going, I'll probably forget, because I get down rabbit holes when I talk sometimes, as you know better than anybody. Uh, we, we Last year, myself and Brad uh, and Dustin Grondin, uh, and I forget who was with us now. Was it Mitch Dionisi? I forget who it is now. I think it was. It was Mitch. Now, I know I'm throwing names out there for people that may not know. But anyways, there's a team of four, uh, and it's basically what I like to call it, best ball golf uh and obviously my ball is not the ball that gets us far down the course of course but brad mentioned uh the my awful uh, golf game and we were involved in michael doan's charity golf tournament last year we've been in it uh every year myself and dustin as well and it's definitely for a great cause uh and obviously it's a, f- a former teammate of mine of, with michael as a teammate for a number of years and played hockey with him growing up and he tragically passed over a handful of years ago and uh brad you and i played golf together okay and I asked you prior, before, off-air before, and now I'm going to bring it up on-air. If I had to choose a sport <laughs> that I should maybe play to try to learn, golf or curling, I know you had an answer to that because I was really bad at one sport, so I'll let you take that away. Yeah, I think I think your best shot, Dave, is curling, without a doubt. Without <laughs> a doubt. That, uh, that golf game you've got going on, I don't know if you've got a chance, buddy. You're, you're 15, 20 years away from uh, any half-decent score. But you know what? If you put some time and effort in, we can all learn, right? Yeah. And and you can get better. But I, the one thing I admire about your swing is how far your ass sticks out. Ah. It, I've seen not, nothing like it. You've got a great ass. <laughs> when, you're, when you're, you know, over the ball, that posture you got going, I've never seen anything quite like it. So. <laughs> I don't know why I want to stick. Maybe I'm just showing it off. I don't know. Showing the junk in the trunk, right? You know, it's and I think I've been told it's like my baseball stance is what I do a lot of, uh, right. which I do play outside. As people can see, the trophy right behind me to my right. That's the baseball championship that we won last year. It's the closest that I got to a gold medal after junior hockey or a gold or championship. But I was obviously I would like to learn curling because I feel like there was obviously some hockey experience, some ice experience. Maybe there's some transferable skills to a degree. But if anyone sees my golf game, which you will this year, we'll have video uploads. And maybe the first one will be when I'm with Brad on the course. And we'll hear Brad be the patient guy that he is with me, being confident and being giving me hope. And then there's the other guy, one of our casual co-hosts on football, Dustin, will be the one chirping me in the back. Yeah. That's how awful I am. That's accurate. <laughs> now, let's get into the meat and potatoes. Let's talk about the mixed double nationals. Now, by the time some people maybe hear this recording, you're already going to be going, already be playing. But you know what? I want to talk about it briefly before we get to the other two points. Floor is yours for the mixed double nationals. Ad, you're leaving today, actually. Um, for After we record, you're going to hit the road to go to that. Yeah, you bet. So um, leaving leaving today, it's Sunday. Uh, going to hit the road, head to Sudbury. So Mixed Doubles Nationals is in Sudbury. A lot of great teams. It's going to be really tough. Uh, going to be a really great test and, and challenge. So really looking forward to that. Uh, my regular partner, Carrie Anderson, as many people know, uh, curling fans know, is over in Sweden right now, actually with our new teammate and my, my new coach, my new teammate coach, uh, Reed Crothers. Reed Crothers coaches them. Rob Meekins helping out. Carrie's over at the Worlds with her team uh, trying to win the Worlds for Canada. So I had to get a replacement and my replacement for this week is Jennifer Armstrong. She's a great gal, great curler, lots of experience. Um, ton of ton of experience and, and really impressed me a lot this year on the uh, mixed doubles circuit. And she was available so I, I scooped her up and uh, we're really excited. We're going to head to Sudbury and give it all we got and see how it goes. 
See, and this, and I know you'll correct me because I know there's a lot going on in both of our lives, but this is your first, this is not your first since retiring Team Jacobs. This is not the first play you've had since then, correct? This is like, you've done other things up until now. So it's not like you're just jumping off the, like, retired, well, retired the team, that's to say, quote unquote, and jumping right into it. You've been playing a little bit. You've been, obviously, the curling club in Sault Ste. Marie, which you're a big part of, and I want to give love to the curling club. Everyone should check that out. They got, also, I hear got great food, side note. Uh, yeah. side, side note to that. But, you know, this is something that you're prepared for, and, you know, what, you bring in somebody that's going to be really helpful, even though you had someone go on for good reasons to represent Canada. Uh, it's going to be stiff competition, as you mentioned, but back to what I was saying, the, the, you've, been, you've been preparing for this. It's not like you've stopped playing and you're just jumping into a cold. Yeah, you're right. So uh, we've prepared for this a little bit. Carrie and I played two events together on the mixed doubles circuit. Really great new uh, super series, it's called, put on by uh, Wayne Tuck and Jay Allen, and they've got some, some other help. We had a really great circuit uh, between basically September and December, played four times, and that was my first go at mixed doubles. Uh, so we we made the playoffs in a few events, uh, a semifinal, two semifinals, I think, a final. So we had some fun, and, and it was a learning curve for me. I've never played mixed doubles before, Dave, so it was a little bit of a challenge. As, as a lot of people know, I haven't swept uh, my whole career. I've been a skip my whole career. I only sweep the back like six feet. So sweeping was... Uh, was a little tough for me to get used to, um, as well as the pace of play. It's a really different game and it's challenging. So it was uh, it was unique for me, and uh, I really I really did enjoy it. It's uh, it's a tough game, and I think it. Hopefully, you know, I'm playing third now for the for Team Crothers. Hopefully, getting used to sweeping with mixed doubles is something that I can transfer into men's and then uh, build on. So I will say this too. Sweeping in the mixed doubles game uh, has given me a lot more appreciation for, you know, guys like Ryan and EJ, obviously anyone who's swept my rocks in the past and anyone who sweeps in general. Uh, it, it really did give me a whole new perspective and appreciation for the hard work that they do and, and how they make shots for uh, their teammates, those strong sweepers out there. See, I've never really curled, and I said to Brad, to everyone, that I do want to learn it. I and sweeping—that's a workout, okay? Everyone, that, that's 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 not easy to do, and there is it is a different from being a skip, going over to a third, and doing all that. And I'm glad that you brought that up because that was going to be my my little spinoff question: was what is the difference that you felt? And obviously, you're feeling that it's a different adjustment than being a skip, right? It's a different role. It's like playing. Maybe it's a bad example, but forward and defense in hockey. There's there's two different ways. Each each sport is a different position, right? Quarterback, uh, safety, and football, right? Maybe those aren't good comparisons, but when you have to learn something different in the sport after you've been doing it so long, it takes an adjustment. You went through that adjustment, and it takes a lot of mental strength for that too, you know, and a lot of physical strength and determination. So respect for that. Now let's talk about Team Crothers, okay? I wanna. Let's, we've talked about it a couple times on here. You're you're back. Brad Jacobs is back, okay? And it's been it's been trending, okay? We the, you can search. I remember looking on Google when the story broke on Thursday, which I believe now was March the sixteenth. I think that was the right day, Thursday. But anyways, that was matter of the day when that broke out. It was trendy. When I searched your name on Google to get some of the stories, I know we were talking, you had the trendy name underneath there, okay? The Brad Jacobs name was trending with it. The stories broke that you were back in the world of curling, and you're joining Team Crothers, and you're there as the thirds, and it's uh, you're out of retirement, they say, but it's not because you're in the mixed doubles. You're just back in that competitive play with the males. So 
I want to give you the floor. It's known there's a lot of there's different articles out there, but you know what? There's not a podcast. Okay, there's not a podcast no. with Brad Jacobs. All right, this is where you're going to get the full, not just someone typing what he said. You're going to actually hear Brad's voice. Okay, no offense to any of the article. I'm not chirping anybody, but the podcast you're going to hear the real words. Brad, take it away. You're back, and I'm excited to watch you play here. Join a good squad. Let's give the listeners details. Yes, I am officially back. We can say it now. And for the record, also, I was never retired. I was always taking a break from the game. Thank you. Uh, you know, wanted to focus on some other things. We have a lot going on in our lives right now. And I've had a really great year not competing in, in men's. I think it was uh, something that I needed. And uh, I certainly cherished it this past uh, season, not playing men's and being with my family a little bit more. We had a lot of really great trips went to Mexico a couple times and, and did fit some, some mixed doubles in there and, and stuff. So, uh, but I'm back and I'm repping one of the, uh, the sponsors here, princess auto. Yeah. That's uh Reed Crothers, team Crothers title sponsor. I figured I'd throw this on for the podcast. Smart move. Uh, give them a little support and shout out, uh, cause they've been supporting reading the guys for many years. So, uh, you know, I think a lot of people, um, uh, you know, are wondering how this all came about. I think, some people are even saying, you know, why did why did you guys announce it when you did? And um, and we can address some of those things. But, like, one of the reasons why we got this out right now, and we were actually planning on waiting. So I'll give some people some – I'll give everyone some context as to how, how all this went down. We were uh, we were going to wait a little bit longer. But what ended up happening was after the, the briar was over, and everyone, you know, hopefully a bunch of the – the listeners and, and viewers to today will that see this uh, watch the briar. So you had Dunstone in the final against Gushu and Botcher got third place, and then uh, Team McEwen got fourth place. And there's a whole lot of other teams out there, even teams that didn't make the briar. And uh, a lot of people were reaching out to myself as well as Reed, uh, not only leading into the briar and after provincial playdowns uh, ended, but also after the briar. Uh, was over a lot of teams it, it appeared that a lot of teams were looking to make some sort of a change I was kind of overwhelmed by uh, all of the the players that were reaching out looking for kind of that missing piece and thinking that I could help out and fill that void so I was dealing with a lot of different messages I know that Reed was as well so we decided to get this news out a lot sooner um, just out of respect for all the teams that want to go and form their teams know that I was off the table. We did want to wait longer too because we wanted, you know, the the Briar champion and all that, like and that was Gushu and, and EJ and those guys. We wanted to respect them and, and make sure that they had, you know, the week to celebrate and for that to be big news. And so we waited as long as we felt like we could before making this announcement. Yeah. But I'll say that when I played with Reed's team at the Grand Slam in uh, in Camrose in January uh, although we didn't make the playoffs, we only played five games. I was sold then on playing with those guys. I, I really was. And the reason, the main reason why is because we got along so well. And I really just felt super comfortable uh, with them both on and off the ice. It, w it felt almost too easy to be around them. And that's a good thing. So I really felt like the dynamic was right for me and, and I knew you know kind of in my heart that that's where I needed to be uh, so I let those guys know very early on after well I was actually towards the end of that event that I was quite interested in playing with them moving forward if uh, they would have me 
And lo and behold, they said, yeah, you can you can come and play with us. They were excited, and I'm excited. So that's kind of as far as it's gotten. We've uh, communicated a little bit between then and now, uh, but it's been really busy. Reed is over with the girls in Sweden, like I said. Uh, Derek and those guys, they had to play in their provincial playdowns. Connor's wife, Selena, is very pregnant right now. They're about to uh, have their first child in uh, the coming days or, or weeks here. Minutes. So, yeah, yeah, a lot going on. And, uh, and other than announcing this news, you know, we really haven't had the opportunity to sit down and, and kind of set some goals or standards or, or really talk about a whole lot. So we're going to get to that pretty soon, I, I would say. You know, and I'm glad that you brought that detail about, you know, the, 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 the respect to other teams because obviously you were off the table and you've obviously have had interest to join in and you went to the team that's the right fit for you, which is important, right? Uh, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> I had somebody ask me two questions uh, and I'll save one of them near the end because I know we only have limited time, but uh, it was, it's a question that I really didn't know how to answer, but there was one <laughs> that I felt like I just laughed at. The one question is, what if Brad joined Team Gushu? <laughs> Uh, and i had no answer to that i i said uh i just laughed i said wouldn't that be funny eh?" and he just changed the topic but this was a fit but jokes aside this was a fit uh and overall that's what's big you mentioned you play with them january and the chemistry is there and you could be that piece that can put them over the top right that that and it's a big announcement you joining them and that's all teams need at times to really get the chemistry rolling and someone like yourself coming in with that olympic gold medal experience the the mindset that you have and just that team that's really going to help create a recipe for success we'll call it a success potion because you know that's what can really put a team over the top you know and the the teams that are there you know you got the gushus you got the botchers you got you got teams that our form, things have changed this year in curling. The game is growing, uh, and it's going to be different seeing you out there with a with a different squad, uh, we'll call it. But it's uh, it's I like how you addressed that it was the fit for you because that is so important uh, in the world of curling from what I realize. You're more of that expert, of course. My subject matter expert may not be in the world of curling, but understanding the game for the right fit and for you to enjoy it, that's very important. Yeah, no, it is. And let's just talk about that a little bit. You know, curling, I think, is the ultimate team sport. You don't have anybody sitting on the bench. You don't have anybody, you know, on the sidelines or in the lineup, out of the lineup. Everyone is is re responsible for 25% of what's happening 100% of the time. And the dynamic and the fit is extremely important. You see, and you talked about it a little bit, you see teams sometimes uh, in sports that might not necessarily be the most um, talented team, but because of their chemistry, maybe their leadership or uh, their coaching or their unified, um, they, you know, can play above their level and go out and win championships. Whereas sometimes teams that don't have that, maybe they've got more better star players, don't necessarily go and win championships. Now those teams still do, don't get me wrong. But, uh, you know, I, I think that that dynamic is just it's it's so important especially in curling and we spend a lot of time on the road yeah. and you know it, we kind of joke and everyone probably spends more time with their curling team than they might with their spouse over the course of a curling season yeah. and uh getting along with one another both on and especially off the ice and and not having to force things or or be fake in any kind of way and just be yourself can really bring out a a lot of confidence in an athlete. Everybody wants to win. That goes without saying. We're no yep. different than any other team out there. 
Yeah. Uh, and we're going to do the things. And, and like I said, we haven't had this conversation yet, and I'm sure we will. But we'll set some plans in motion and, and work towards, you know, some, some standards and some goals that we want to set. Yeah. And uh, I know when I got the opportunity to even just practice and throw rocks uh, at the Grand Slam, we did a lot of that when we were playing at that Grand Slam in Camrose. I loved uh, Reed's leadership out on the ice in terms of running practices. I loved how Connor and Derek really just kind of went with the flow and, and really let Reed lead and, and also, um, uh, yeah, just his demeanor and how he, how he speaks to the team. He really is a true leader. I was looking for that. And I loved how he, he carried himself and handled himself, you know, in practice out on the ice. And I'm really just looking to hopefully come on board here and be that support role for both the front end and especially Reed. And I know we're all going to agree on that. we got to make that guy feel 10 feet tall and give him all the confidence in the world because I think he can make any shot. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. And I'm looking forward to playing that hybrid role and uh, more so stepping back from the, the skipping leadership role. I know a lot of people are probably surprised. Well, why aren't you skipping? Why aren't you throwing last rock on that team or skipping that team? Well, quite frankly, I don't want to. And I've got all the faith in the world that Reed is our guy. I really do. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited. And uh, I'm excited to take on a new challenge yep. and just be the best teammate I, I can be out there. 100%. You guys, this was a big ad, 150% for them. It goes without saying. And your leadership, and if it reads the leadership that you that you state that he is, that can help gel a team. And the team that I always look at when it comes to leadership, they had talent, is the Detroit Red Wings in the late 90s, early 1000s. Okay, obviously they had superstardom. Okay, that's, that's not take that away. They're one of the best hockey teams ever. But they had the Eisman. They had the Shanahan. They had the guys that really just knew when the, some of the younger guys came in, settled them down, or in general just had a locker room that guys just wanted to win and that's i don't like to use a, that's that superstar example because you did refrain that some guys or you did refer to that some you may not be have the most superstar team or some teams that do either team can win a championship as long as that i i think that the team chemistry is number one and if that's yeah. followed you guys will be successful and you guys have the core that will do that now i know we only have a couple minutes i know you got to hit the road uh so we'll just bring up the next two things very briefly it is a little bit more i'll say dated content but not really because we're going to make it not dated content the briar obviously gushu won the briar Team Jacob Salam were in there. Uh, yeah, the, you had uh, the going against each other in the finals. I want you to take it away and to say how that was, how that was for you to watch. You know, you know the background. I'm sure you've talked to both EJ and Ryan. You know, I want you to maybe give some deets for our listeners about uh, how the post Briar has been since Gushu was crowned the winner. Right. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I I didn't watch a whole lot of the Briar um, during the the round robin. I, we really tuned in a lot uh, the final weekend during the playoffs, leading up to the playoffs. Um, so, yeah, it was an incredible briar. And, I mean, I just want to bring up, first of all, how lucky have I been over the course of the last, like, 10 years with the players that, that I've been able to, to play with um, that have, you know, you got Ryan and EJ both in the final, brothers, my cousin, first cousin, and we're all great buddies, just so everybody knows. Like, I was so proud of those guys. It was a uh, very emotional final game. And you had Mark Kennedy, who we played with uh, for three yeah. seasons. It's kind of like two almost because of COVID. But amazing athlete and player and person, as well as uh, Ryan Fry. Same story. You know, we had a ton of success with Ryan Fry. All of those players, my former players over the past 10 years, all made the playoffs. So... I just want to point that out. 
and full credit to all of them for continuing to uh, to work hard and put themselves in positions to win. Um, it was really exciting for me to see all that. <clears throat> you know, I had a different perspective on the Briar this year. We've played in it for years and years and years, many years in a row I've played in it at, with my teams. And uh, being on the outside looking in and not being out there competing, I was extremely nervous. I do understand now when people come up to us after and, and talk about how nervous we had them or we were making them because I felt that. I really was able to feel from the, the other end watching on the screen how much these athletes wanted to win, what it meant to them. Uh, you saw a lot of that. A lot, there was a lot of tears on uh, on Saturday and Sunday, and uh, you know you saw all the fans and how many people showed up and were cheering. That atmosphere and environment in London—they looked like they did a bang up job. Was incredible. Uh, so uh, you know, a briar for the ages. It was really, uh, really something. The level of play spectacular. And and I I say now I have to get back involved in the game now. Before it passes me by, and, and I'm not good enough to even get out there and compete with That'll these guys, with how quickly it, it is moving forward, and the level of precision is just, uh, it's pretty, it's spectacular. So, curling's in a great spot, uh, both on the men's and women's side, and uh, obviously, Ryan and EJ make it to the final. Uh, if people had a lot of questions for me, I said, the one, the, the people I don't want to be, and I'm nervous for both of them, because I love them, but... Uh, Eric, their dad, Sue, their mom, and our Nana, who's 99 at home watching this on TV. I felt so bad for all of them. Uh, so don't worry about me so much because uh, that was that was something that we're never all going to forget. And especially Ryan and EJ, I mean, you got to talk to them. you got to get them on your podcast and maybe talk to them, Dave, and, and hear firsthand from them how they felt. But I'm sure that that was something that they'll never forget and experience and emotions that they probably never felt before in their lives yeah. and uh, what a great opportunity for growth as people. Unfortunately, one has to win and one has to lose. Yeah. That's, that's what sucks, right? There's no ties in the finals. No ties. Yeah. <laughs> that's what sucks. So yeah, obviously Gushu uh, and those guys got it done. They got a big three. I think it was in the eighth end and you yeah. could kind of see that uh, they were they were tasting blood at that point, and uh, you saw. I actually was watching EJ specifically how he was sweeping, and that extra little kick in of adrenaline and effort on a few sweeps in the last couple ends. You know, you could tell he wanted it really bad, and yeah. uh, you know, it was just it was an unbelievable thing. And I saw Ryan and EJ at the curling club the last few days. They started to kind of show up again. And they admit they're really tired, and they look they look a little bit tired, even you know multiple days after. I'm sure uh, you know there was some partying and whatnot going on uh, after the game. You you kind of it's a lot of emotions coming out of you. People don't realize how hard that week is, and when you come down off of that, it's very hard. It's very hard on your body. And uh, so, yeah, it was just, it was something else. It was something else. And uh, I know it turned out the way that it did. I'm very, very proud of EJ. I'm sure he's uh, super excited to now be a two-time Briar champ. And I'm really gutted for Ryan, who, uh, you know, wanted that really badly. And it just didn't work out that day because they play that game again. And uh, that could go the other way. That's how good both of those teams are.
Very good. Very good. See, thanks for that detail, Brad. You know, I couldn't give that detail, obviously, the inside scoop. And you're right. I should have both EJ and Ryan on here. It's almost like a Kelsey brother feeling from the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's yeah. not the Super Bowl, but how they go against each other, right? You got the mother wearing the half jersey. It doesn't just, <laughs> right? That's, that's good. That's just great. That's just, yeah. see, the, 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 and they really did care. And the, you're right. I, I really followed a lot more of the semis and the finals and all that. That was really, that's where I feel like the extra excitement comes into play. And to see them two go against each other, the Sioux, was all excited as well because everyone yeah. knows who are outside the Sushi St. Marisa and the heart of the Great Lakes and that's where EJ and Ryan are from and of course Brad. So I know we went a little extra here Brad so last thing I'll say quick is that last question that I said that I would bring up. I had someone ask me and I don't know this answer and I'll be honest I, I don't know this answer. So I had somebody ask me say Dave has do you, you talk to Brad? I said yeah. I said you guys ever talk about Curly? I said well yeah, it isn't strictly curly. We're friends. We talk about normal things. How bad I am at golf. Uh, the, maybe Kyle Dubas' moves with the Toronto Maple Leafs. I, we talk about no, multiple things. Okay, but um, what what I was asked is the growth of the briar itself. It used to be from what this person said, and I tried to look and find data, and I couldn't. So that's why I don't know if it's accurate or not. So that's why I'm going to say it flat out. The the the, the Briar is now has Team North Ontario team that, right you have all these different teams it's it's you got multiple representation wild card you got all that going on Do, can you explain why it's ex- expanded the way that it has or has it always been that expanded and people just don't know what they're asking me because I truly I do remember the Briar seeming like it was a bit more of a one region was representing there wasn't wild card and it did change can you elaborate that a little bit more and answer that question i did tell the person i would ask this question to you okay that's a tough one to answer and this this could take a really long time okay (laughs) all right now i guess you, you look at the briar it's for many years it's been all about tradition and uh you you've got four players that all live in like the same province uh, and they go and they try to win out of their club and their region and uh, their provincial and they make it to the Briar. And it was this long road to try to make it to the world championships. And like I said, all about tradition where they would host the Briar in a, in a city, in an arena. Yeah. People would travel from all over Canada, wear their provincial colors and support their province. Northern Ontario being not a province, it's more of a region. But we're lucky because uh, we do have Northern Ontario with Ontario being such a large geographic area, you know, back when they started this thing up, uh, I think it was 1927, if I if I remember correctly. Uh, how do you travel from, say, uh, Sarnia up to Kenora to play in that provincial championship? It was really tough, right? Yeah. So it's been all about tradition, four players uh, from the same area. Now, it's evolved, it's changing. Curling Canada it has been changing it uh, you know, kind of multiple times over the last decade or so with the addition of the returning champion as Team Canada. You've got now these wild card uh, spots. You've got so many great players and great teams, multiple teams from a province, say like Alberta or Manitoba. You know, you look at Alberta, you've got for years, you had Kevin Cooey and Kevin Martin in there. Now you've got uh, Brendan Botcher and Kevin Cooey in there. Manitoba, same thing with uh, Jeff Stoughton and Kerry Burtnick and lots of different teams. And now you've got Crothers Dunstone and some other teams in there. So they're throwing these wild cards in to continue to, I guess, make it strong and give these teams an opportunity to play. They've also uh, loosened up the rules in terms of uh, everyone having to be from the same province. 
Okay. So now you have uh, what's called a free agent. And you saw maybe some of the news about some teams out there who, I don't know if the rules are going to change or whatnot, but it's all about trying to find the best representative to send to the world championships to compete on the world stage. Or your country. Um, I really don't know what the future holds for the Briar. I don't mind the, uh, the format that they have going on now. There's all kinds of debates on that, and I don't want to get into the middle of, of that and say what's right or what's wrong. I really don't know. I don't have the answer. I, I don't care to think about it all that much. Now, I don't even know if that's the right thing to say, uh, but I don't. I, I think there's people out there. As an athlete, I like to worry about being an athlete. There's enough on our plates uh, at, you know, when it comes to that side of things. I don't worry about the political side or, or the you know running the championship side a whole lot, um, although maybe I should look at that more. So that's kind of where it's at. I know that we continue year after year to find that Canadian championship, uh, Canadian champion to represent us well at the Worlds, and the, the format that they have in place right now always finds that team. Right now, Gushu's team is the one, the best one, to take, you know, to take on the responsibility of wearing the Maple Leaf and go and try to win the world championships for Canada, which now has become very, very difficult with Scotland being so good, Sweden being so good, Switzerland, uh, Italy, a lot of other countries. They just continue to get better and better and better. Yeah. So uh, we're trying, I guess they're trying to find the best way to sort of make everyone happy and, and mix in and keep tradition but also find you know the strongest teams and give people an opportunity to play together that aren't necessarily all in the same uh, province or city yeah. and, and form the best team. So we do now have um, a new high performance director for Curling Canada. His name's David Murdoch. He was just hired from Scotland. Actually, uh, I just recently saw his wife's Canadian and, and I did know that. So he's gotten that job uh, as a new high performance director and and certainly uh, as an athlete, I would expect that Dave's going to come in here with all of his experience as a, as a player, as well as uh, everything that he did to help the, the program in Scotland get to the strength that it's at today, and it's very, very strong. He's going to bring in some fresh new ideas and a great new perspective, and I think we'll continue to see things change and evolve uh, moving forward. You see, and that's that's the short, brief answer of it. And I, I know so that's it's it's a lot, and it's a good point that you brought up there that I take away from that. Canada has so much talent, and it gives us the opportunity to to send the best talent for everyone to compete, right? For all these teams, to, to all these teams to compete. Because if you just have one from each one, you may as well just call it the Canadian Championship, or you may as well give it a different name. To have a Briar, and I think have it as a wide stream is a good a good uh, a good direction. But there's always growth, and it was still an exciting Briar. I know we spent a lot of time talking mixed double nationals. Your return on Team Brothers, very pumped about that. We talked about the Briar and the Brothers going against each other, of course. All of your members all made it to the playoffs. That's a key thing that you brought up. That shows how good Team Jacobs was, okay? It's, that's how good it was. You now, bet. now we're going to get towards the to the end here, Brad. It's always the sad part of it. Um, I was going to bring up who your favorite music artist is at the beginning. I don't know why I had that noted, uh, because I remember jamming to him in your uh, in your previous house uh but i want people to guess who you're if people are feel like commenting you know, a lot of our interactions are likes and loves and some comment about you know that but if somebody hears this part of the show i want someone to guess who who uh, brad's favorite artist is because i think i know who it is and i'll tell you who i think it is off air brad um i've got but, a few dave i've you got, got a few i i, I think it may have changed as well since then 
Uh, I don't know. I feel like you really loved this guy. I really he was uh, he was echoing through your house the entire night when we were there. Uh, but people can comment below, and if you comment correctly, maybe there'll be a nice gift certificate coming somebody's way. Okay, maybe that's just a little guess if people want to get some free prizes from the Game Sports Show. Now, Brad, it's been fun. This has been the Game Sports Show podcast. Uh, this is the segment two of this uploads, and we want a little extra that gets producer Mike to Sony and slash me a little extra work on the edit end. But hey, it's always a great time. My friend, uh, and we'll have to have you on again in the near future, maybe after the doubles national. If you want a quick little segment again, or as Team Crothers, you know, gets coming and things get going with that as well. Uh, very congratulations, happy to see you back, and again, I appreciate the time you took with us today. You bet. Thanks for having me, Dave. All the best, buddy. All the best. All right, we're gonna take a quick breather here. Allow me to have a sip out of my. Uh, Mandalorian Grogu Star Wars cup that people probably sipping out of and then we're going to get to segment three which will include my final thoughts don't go anywhere and we're back here with the game sports show podcast back to being yours truly here invading your screen or invading your speakers or your here your earphones whatever way you're listening to the game sports show I want to say thank you to Brad for coming on the show and again special shout out to Mike to Sony the producer here on the game sports show podcast doing the beauty of video editing uh, to ensure all these smooth and great transitions and to make me sound better maybe even look better I try I definitely try uh, we're inside the T-Gem Studios, continuing the Game Sports Show podcast, episode four. And this one, I do promise you, is going to be brief when I say it's going to be brief. And it is becoming known, the third segment, as the final thoughts. And so uh, the final thoughts could be one, three, or five points. And today we have two points. The first point I'm going to bring up is the Masters. Yes, David McKaig talking about golf. I am by far probably one of the worst golfers. I can hit a ball a ton, I feel like, if I ever hit it straight, but my swing is awful. I don't know what I'm doing out there. If I played a nine-hole game, I feel like I would just be well over 100 anyways, and I'm out there for fun and for the charity causes that I participate in. But, of course, being a, a sports podcast host and a podcast business entrepreneur, we've, you follow a lot of podcasts. And, of course, being a sports uh, passionate fan as I am, I follow all sports. And I love the Masters. I love keeping in touch with all sports. But the Masters has a different touch to it. I remember being younger, watching Mike Weir win, uh, and I actually missed the finals when he won that year. My dad had a men's league hockey game, and it was actually on the bench where people were on the phone because you really couldn't look up on phones for Facebook or Instagram at that point. But there were announcements, and I remember the female that was in the score booth asked her if she heard the results because we were talking before the game. And I remember, being, of course, being younger. I was in my early teens, and she was saying how – or even younger than that, actually. But she was saying how uh, Mike Weir has won it. Uh, and the bench was very excited being Canadian. And it, it's great, right? That's that's what was my introduction to golf. And, of course, Tiger Woods, seeing him, he invaded all platforms that were available, TV. Everything was Tiger Woods, Tiger Woods. And the, the Masters, uh, I love watching the Masters. You know, it's a very, very... Very exciting tournament for the world of golf. And I know people can say, oh, golf's difficult to watch. No, the Masters has a different feel, especially when it comes down to the final round. And people ask me about golf a lot, and I haven't talked about it a lot on the show. That was more of other co-hosts' uh, responsibility, but I'm going to make sure that I give it a quick love today. If you look at the money line as per CBS, uh, John Rahm is up there. you got Scotty Scheffler. You have Roy McIlroy, Cameron Smith, Jordan Spieth. I'm a fan of Jordan Spieth and Roy McIlroy, of course. But my favorite golfer is uh, Bubba Watson, who is at a one thousand, um, who's at a hundred to one. Sorry, not one thousand to one odds. Hundred to one odds to win, and that's actually, like I said, my favorite golfer. 
So I, I am hoping for Baba Watson to come up with a Cinderella story win to get another green jacket. Uh, but Tiger Woods right now, too, you have Tiger Woods at 55 to 1 odds. But So those are the two that I'll be cheering for. But in terms of who I think is going to win, obviously John, uh, John Rahm is 15 to 2 as per CBS Golf uh, for the odds so through Sportsline. Uh, so I'm not going actually with John Rahm. I'm not going with Scotty Scheffler. Uh, I'm not going with Roy McIlroy. Who I'm going with in this tournament is actually, I think, Justin Thomas. I, I think Justin Thomas gets it this year. I just got a feeling. I really don't have any rationale with it. And even just looking at more Norris, he's um, he's ninth in the PGA Tour in world ranking. Uh, and I'm also, like I said, a fan of George Spieth. But there's, there's something that I can see with Justin Thomas just going into that tournament. He's obviously a very excellent golfer. keeps a lot of precision to his game. And I think he's ranked being 16 to one odds and being behind Spieth, Smith, McElroy, Scheffler, and Rahm is going to give him that little bit of motivation. Uh, very, I think he's going to pull away in the tournament and don't bet with me, though. I'm telling you right now. But the main reason why I want to bring up golf is the state who I think is going to win and talk a little bit of money line, money line or sports line, I should say, uh, as per CBS, looking them up, giving them some free advertisement here. But I wanted to make sure I give you some details about it and also guys that I'm cheering for who are different than the ones who I think is going to win. But we are going to have a master's uh, discussion here on the Game Sports Show podcast. I do plan to have a segment dedicated to a master's preview or at the very least a master's reaction when the tournament is done or both. So we will be talking about that on the Game Sports Show podcast. So let me know who you think is going to win the Masters. It begins, okay, beginning of April. It's right around the corner. It's a few weeks away until the Masters are underway. So let me know below who you think is going to win and what you think of those odds that are posted that I talked about. You can look at different money line options, Bet99 or Sports Bet. There's there's a lot of gambling opportunities to look at different odds, but who is your favorite? And who do you cheer for? Like I said, I'm a Bubba Watson and Tiger Woods guy. And of course, John Daly was obviously a beauty to always look up to. But uh, those are two that I cheer for. But who I think is going to win is Justin Thomas. The last point I want to get into, we only have a couple more minutes here, Aaron Rodgers in uh, NFL. So we have a show on the Game Sports Show called In the Pocket. The In the Pocket podcast has been going around for six years. We've been doing it a long time. It's well over 100 episodes. You know, we do an episode every week. We talk about the, the upcoming week and predict games in our pickup. It's been one of our more well-known shows. Of course, football and hockey are the two shows that started off the Game Sports Show in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, Canada. Uh, the Game Sports Show has always originated, uh, firstly, through a combination of Sioux, Michigan and Sioux, Ontario, but it started from a local region national sports podcast that talked to everything sports on live radio uh, so obviously we've grown and evolved and changed the show format a little bit obviously and uh, the the world of football we do talk about a lot here on the game sports show podcast and the members of the game sports show family in the uh, network umbrella but Aaron Rodgers wanting to go to the New York Jets so I'm not going to talk about right now as I'm when I'm recording Aaron Rodgers is still on Green Bay uh, Technically, obviously, he said when he comes back, he wants to play for the Jets, and that's been known. And by the time this is uploaded, or even while I'm talking, he may be already dealt, or things have already already gotten motion. Uh, the and in the pocket, we haven't had our season finale, uh, but we do plan to actually have our season finale right after the draft uh, is when we want to do our, our season finale of in the pocket. We did our Super Bowl preview show. We're not going to do a Super Bowl reaction show. We know there's other outlets that can do with that. We felt it'd be necessary to do our finale after the draft. And by then, I'm sure we'll be talking about Aaron Rodgers as well. I'll make sure I don't get down the rabbit hole of veering off the topic. But the the In the Pocket podcast, I'm sure this will be brought up a bit more detailed. So I want to keep it as a final thoughts portion uh, regarding Aaron Rodgers and loyalty to a team. 
that's where I'm going with this topic. And I can refer to hockey, refer to baseball. Steve Eisman with the uh, with the Red Wings, Derek Jeter with the Yankees, Aaron Rodgers that has been with Green Bay forever. But my example would be Ben Roethlisberger. I'm a Steelers fan in the world of football, and I saw Ben get drafted, and I saw his last game retire, not in person, but I've seen him win a couple of Super Bowls. Right? He he was inaugural. He was an imperative part of that team, of course, as the quarterback. Ben Roethlisberger was, but in basketball, you you know Michael Jordan was with the Chicago Bulls forever, and he didn't retire bowl obviously he went over the to the wizards and there's been players who have spent their career with one team and you don't see it as much anymore in the world of sports but there are players that do it back to hockey patrice bergeron right he's been in boston since he started i get a lot of that detroit vibes with with the boston bruins obviously they haven't won as many cups as detroit did in the late thousands and the early thousands but they they have that that leadership and that star set of talent. But anyways, we're talking Aaron Rodgers here and football. Um, but it's not really football that we're talking about here. I want to make sure I give love to in the pocket, but I'm here talking about Aaron Rodgers and the loyalty to the game. Listen, if Aaron Rodgers wants to leave Green Bay, he can. I know there's maybe upset fans. Maybe there isn't. Why not just retire a Packer? I get it. If I was Aaron Rodgers, obviously he still has some game left in him and he wants to still play. But... Tom Brady left the Patriots, went to the Buccaneers, right? Now he's in the world of media, and there's no way for what he's getting paid in media, uh, he's going to stop. But I I love when a player is loyal to an organization. Aaron Rodgers has won Super Bowl with Green Bay Packers. He's been successful with the Packers. He's had a trail. I feel that loyalty is important to stay with one team for your entire career. Now, if you grew up cheering for another team, it'd be hard because you always still have a love for that team. Maybe, you know, uh, myself, I'm a Leaf fan, right? So if I did play in the NHL and I was drafted by a team, I would always keep an eye on Toronto. That's where I'd want to play, right? So I'm not saying that's the same with Aaron Rodgers right now going to the Jets, but there's an example here that... Aaron Rodgers has the right to move on. And for those who are mad at him, I get it. And I am a fan of someone being loyal to a team, staying with the team, making sure they retire with that team. That's why I give credit to Steve Eisman. But the the world of football and the world of sports is different. And Aaron Rodgers has earned the right to, to move on where he wants to. He has given all this heart, sweat, soul, dedication to the Green Bay Packers. And as much as I would like to see him retire a Packer, as much as Packer fans probably want to see it, Aaron Rodgers doesn't want to stop playing, and he feels like it's time to move on from Green Bay, so I support that. Aaron Rodgers deserving to move on makes sense. Him not being successful the last few years there in terms of winning, it makes sense because he still has life left in him. But people ask me, what's your opinion on loyalty for players in sports? I would love to see players start with the team and end with that team. That's what I'll leave it at. When it comes to more dissection about the trade or rationale, if I had the time, I would dive into more. But the only thing I can say is there's no better feeling than being someone and being a player with a team your entire career, giving it a chance. And since you've won, retire. Since Aaron Rodgers has won with Green Bay, I don't see the point of retiring. You know, it's not like he's never won a Super Bowl with them. It's not like, uh, I'm again, going back to a hockey example, Ray Bork. When he won the Cup of Colorado, one of the best stories in hockey, he moved on so he can go on and win a championship. The organization did right. If the Green Bay Packers have never won a Super Bowl and Aaron Rodgers is a veteran and there's a team that's looking to make a run and stack up, do right by him. Give him that chance. But loyalty in the game is so important. Stay with the team that you, do, that you were drafted by, grow with them, and win with them. 
that is a storyline. That is something that you do not see as much as we were used to seeing. And unfortunately, that's the way it's got to be. Do I agree with Aaron Rodgers moving on? I support it and agree with it because he still wants to play, but it's turning on a new chapter. But do I like loyalty in a game and staying with your team? 100%. And I wish that was the direction. But as I said, things are changing in all sports today. Loyalty is still a thing. And Aaron Rodgers is still a definition of loyalty to the Green Bay Packers because of how long he stayed there. So if anyone thinks he's not loyal, you're nuts because he has been loyal to Green Bay and he has the right to move on. And in closing, I want to see loyalty retire with the team, but I do support Aaron Rodgers. Uh, and I do agree if he wants to move on and continue playing, it's time to turn the page from Green Bay. But my recommendation is he should retire and move on, but he must still have life left in him. And he wants to make a run with a different team. And he has that right. But loyalty is great to see. This has been the Game Sports Show podcast, episode four, presented by... The, of course, empowered by the Game Entertainment Media, sponsored by the Sport Displays and Flawless Roofing, produced by Mike Tassoni. Thanks again to Brad Jacobs for taking the time to join yours truly today on the Game Sports Show podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. A lot of discussion. We had about 36, 38 minutes of you just hearing my voice talking about hockey, talking about golf, talking about football slash not football, loyalty and sports, Aaron Rodgers and touching a lot of points. And I hope you enjoyed that. But the stories with Brad were fantastic today and him coming out of uh, not playing and now joining team Carruthers. Great to see. Fantastic. Uh, and of course, Brad Jacobs being from Sault Ste. Marie and a close friend of uh, yours truly. Uh, very excited to see him back on the ice in um, immense competitive, uh, but definitely going to be enjoyable to watch him when he does go against uh, the Hardens and uh, former teammates. Very enjoyable. So again, a second time here. Thank you to Brad Jacobs for taking the time. And to you listeners, you're, you are what keeps the lights on here for the Game Sports Show and the Game Entertainment and Media. So make sure you like, follow, and subscribe. If you really like the content, share the video, comment below, get interactive. If you want to be a guest on the show, we do want to start bringing in fan guests. Reach out to yours truly. Comment below. Let us know. We want to hear your feedback and your take in the world of sports. What's coming up here on the Game Sports Show podcast? There's a lot of previous uploads you can check out. John Morasti, specialist and upload. Make sure you follow us on TikTok and Instagram and Facebook. All the uh, all teaser uploads go up there as well. But coming up this week, we, uh, as I said, Top Shelf uh, did have a recent upload. We do not have one planned for the next week, but we may have one within the next 10 days. Uh, there will be a full-time upload coming up very soon. You can check out the Bitter Rivals podcast that's, that's within the Game Sports Show and TGM umbrella. There will be an in-the-pocket finale, but that won't be till after the NFL draft. So there's always content being uploaded so make sure you just keep an eye uh, on the those uploads for all things sports here on the game sports show the only local regional and national sports show in ssm and it's your favorite sports show podcast in general uh, my name is david mckeg i appreciate you joining us here on the game sports show podcast once again we will be back with more game show, game sports show content within the next week or so for this particular podcast, and we will have a special edition upload in the very near future. Uh, we have Alex Bolduc will be the next upload for the game sports show podcast for that former NHLer. So, lots of great things coming, and yes, lots more news coming from the game sports show as well in the very near future. And we're very excited to share that. Again, thanks for joining. Make sure you like, follow, and subscribe. And if you really liked it, make sure you share this content and comment below. On behalf of the Game Sports Show and the Game Entertainment Media family, I'm here to remind you, keep your stick on the ice, swing your bats, catch your touchdowns, drain your threes, and shoot your shots. Booyah.